Hello, everybody. This is part one of a two-part conversation. So please continue it in the next episode after this. Thank you, as always, for tuning into this podcast. I cannot express how grateful I am to be able to do this and for you to listen. And I just feel the love so much. This conversation is with my friend Diamandia Lingos, and she is an all-around badass. She goes into depth around her story and what led her to push and push and push in a uh, business career setting all the way up to becoming the creative director at the UFC And then the universe conspired and brought her experiences that called on her to turn within and do some very deep internal work. And I'm so grateful that she opened up and she shared all of this on this episode. For the last hour or so, she goes into her ayahuasca journey and experience, and it is not how I expected it to turn out. Um, It's a story of triumph and perseverance over darkness and dark energies and learning from the darkness and being able to take those lessons now on her path forward and embody that experience, really. And I just wanted to touch on this for a second because I don't want this to scare people away from ayahuasca or it to create a perception that ayahuasca is bad. Um, She experienced exactly what she needed to experience in order to learn and grow and expand. And it's an uncomfortable truth to accept that dark spirits and dark energies are within our field and our dimensions all the time. They're always there. And she just happened to experience them in a setting where she was on medicine and her field was completely opened up. And so, yeah, I just really wanted to express that. Um, And for anyone who's listening to know that if you decide to go do ayahuasca or take a plant medicine journey, be safe, know that setting is everything and that it doesn't automatically mean you're going to experience something like she experienced. Anyways, I've linked to Diamandia's socials in the episode description, so please Don't hesitate to give her a follow, check out her content. She offers coaching and mentorship and has so much knowledge and wisdom and insight and vulnerability and medicine to spread. So I promise you will not regret that choice. If you feel called to support this podcast, please feel free to send it around to friends and family or leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks as always for being you and I hope you have fun listening to this. Oh, and one last thing is that I made an announcement in this episode about me leaving my current job in the music industry, uh, pursuing my own path and starting a coaching company around all of the stuff I talk about in my podcast episodes, healing and yeah, really just stepping into spiritual power and higher consciousness. But this was recorded a while ago. And so this coaching company has actually turned into a community container that I am creating with a small group, I should say, of beautiful souls and amazing people and This community is based around the idea of sacred union between the feminine and masculine energies and designed around the archetypes of the psyche. So if you feel called to participate in something like this, if it sparks your interests, you can find the website 
in my Instagram bio and in the description of this episode. And on the website is where you can find the application. So we look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for thanks for doing this. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Yeah, of course. Um, I'm excited because when we met in LA at the beginning of this year at the the altar call Ryan Blair uh, transformation weekend, we kind of hit it off on like a vulnerable start, like right away. You know, we started talking about trauma and uh psychedelics and you were telling me about how you had just recently done a, an ayahuasca ceremony and so you could tell that the connection around the vulnerability was there uh immediately and the more i've learned about you the more i just feel this sense of uh pride towards you and 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 how we are brand new friends, but I feel very proud of everything that that you've you've gone through and the things that you've stepped into. Um, and so I'm excited for people to hear your perspective on everything in your story. Thank you. So sweet. I'm so proud of you too. Thank it's been you. Been a crazy couple months, and like I think that you know, listening to you and talking with you the past couple months, and like your journey, and like what you have decided to do and pivot into and lean into is so admirable. Thank you. I appreciate that. And this will actually be the first podcast that I announce that I'm pivoting. Um, so I'll just, I'll just touch on that for a second. Now um, for anyone who knows me, I've been in the music industry for the last like eight years or so as an A&R uh, working for Artist Intelligence Agency, and um, I have decided to uh, leave the the music industry in my A and R role and pursue a path of uh, creating a coaching practice and really working on my podcast and becoming more to be more of service directly with people. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited and it's the very beginning stages. And so there's the announcement. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll talk more ab about that um, at a later point in this episode because uh, you have a similar uh, transition that I would like to touch on. But to start, we were just talking about some uh, your past and the family relationships and how you really started to become aware of the dynamics that you kind of soaked up in your family relationship and how you were healing and working through those. Um, and I just wanted to start on like, when I listened to your podcast episode on be the 1%, you, you mentioned in the very beginning about your drive to prove your worth and to, sh you know, basically show yourself or whoever it may be that you are worthy of whatever you want from them, love, attention, being seen. And I loved actually what you talked about is how that got you to see success in your career and to see things that then moved you on uh, to the next level of your journey. And so if you wanted to touch on that to start, I think that that would be a great place to start because I feel like a lot of people can can resonate with that feeling. Yeah, I was um, a super aggressive person. I still am very aggressive, but very alpha driven. Um, and I basically had really busted my ass to get to a specific point in my career. And I did that 
knowing that I wanted to, you know, not have to worry about money, not have to worry about things that, you know, were present in my childhood that were constantly things of argument. You know, finances were a constant thing of argument in my, in my household. And I was like, I never want that life. And I also, you know, my parents, well, I shouldn't say my parents, my dad is off the boat from Greece and he has a different understanding of how the world works. And um, he has a very limited toolbox when it comes to emotions and his ability to communicate um, and how he views women. And he very much made it clear to me that college was not an option. He wasn't paying for it. And not that he wasn't paying for it. It was just like, what are you talking about? You know? And he told me that I needed to go get a job at Stop and Shop at 13 and give him my paycheck. And I was like, are you fucking crazy? Like at 13, I was like, are you out of your mind? Like, I'm not giving you my paycheck. I went to work and worked for it. And he was like, but I put a roof over your head. I'm like, I'm not a goat. You know, like I, you know, I'm not like part of a herd that's making you money. Like I'm your child. You're supposed to want me to do more than what you created for yourself. Like, and it, it kind of was at that point in time that I was like, I'm going to prove to you that I can do anything that I want to put my mind to. And that really like clicked some things in my brain that were like, you're going to go do everything and prove this motherfucker wrong. And I did. I did all of the things that I thought I was supposed to do in order to just like really seek validation and love from my fam- my family. And that's all I wanted. And I didn't realize that I was constantly, I was trying to prove my worth. I was trying to prove my worth. I was trying to prove my worth. And at work, it was like, I was taking on more. I was taking on more because I had to prove my value. Even though I had the career, I had the job, I had the salary, I had the things. But I internally was like, no, I have to be the thing. Like, I have to be able to do everything. I'm invincible. Like, I can do anything. I can do more. I can keep going. I can push through this. Like, it was, like, insatiable because I was trying to, you know, prove my my worth to my parents. And it got me really far. It got me really far. I was very successful with it um, until that no longer served me. And that thing became the thing that was holding me back from actually being the next best version of myself. The constant need or the internal struggle with myself to seek that validation was holding me back from actually being the best version of myself. Like that fear that I wasn't even acknowledging or even recognizing. And I remember like specific points where I would you know, these unbelievable things would happen. I'd get into a program or I went to get my third degree or some, you know, something. And I would tell my dad and he didn't even understand what I was talking about. Like it didn't even in his brain, he didn't understand what I was telling him. And therefore there was no validation to it at all. And really the thing that I was seeking, I was never going to get is the person I was trying to prove my worth to didn't have the mental capability to understand what I was trying to do in the first place. And it kind of like, I remember that. And I remember telling him and he didn't even acknowledge it. And I was like, I was like so defeated. It was so like, it was like deflated. It was like everything I had tried. It was like years of constantly trying to be better and do more and be this person. And at that moment in time, it felt like it was worthless. Like, what am I even doing? Why am I even doing this? Like, and then it took, it took a couple serious things to happen in my life. Um, I had a trauma happen and, you know, I dove deep into, working on that and really getting heavy into 
you know, going to therapy and like doing the work internally and getting to a space where, you know, my therapist started talking about my childhood and my childhood, you know, I, I'm sitting in an office talking about this massive trauma that occurred that it's really fucked me up. And we can talk more about this like a little bit, but I'm at this, the lowest part of my entire life where everything has been ripped from me. And she was like, well, tell me about your parents. Like, tell me about growing up. And I remember being so fucking pissed because I was like, why are we talking about this? Like, we have this massive elephant in the room that I'm here, like, about to rip my face off, trying to handle this, like, epically just awful thing that occurred to me. And you want to talk about mommy and daddy. And it, like, it didn't, I didn't understand. And, and she, I had to actually say something to her. And she said to me, like, I was like, this has nothing to do with that. And she's like, this is what you don't understand, Diamandia. This has everything to do with that. Your childhood, your like entire life has been based off this understanding that's been created for you. And you've been coping with these things, but they have been repeating. And this trauma was the match on the powder keg, but this was going to happen to you at some point in some way in your life. Maybe not the suicide, but maybe it was something else. And you're going to keep going and digging yourself into the same ditch that you're living in right now. If you don't start looking at your patterns of behavior. And it was like that moment where I was like, we have so much work to do. Yeah. Like, you know, and also going into therapy, like my brain and it's really hard to switch this mindset was, okay, when are we going to be done with this? Like, when am I fixed? Is this where I have like four sessions and I'm good? You know, like it was just this whole mindset of like, okay, like tell me exactly how many pills essentially, or how many cl- like classes I have to go to, or how many sessions I have to attend so I can like be fixed. And she was like, dude, you're, you're here for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I want to touch on that more because how you were just explaining it to me too is like, I'm very big on this idea that nobody's broken and that you're you can't be fixed because you're not broken in the first place and that it's just the things it's almost like the things you you chose and designed on a soul level to go through in order to open that passage to like the light and like the breakthrough of the healing you know and it sounds like you came to your therapist with that mindset that you said and she kind of like redirected you she was like no kind of like move over here a little bit. This might be how you should how you should think about it. And what what was that like? I I pushed back on everything. I pushed back on everything. And I resisted and I kicked and screamed and I had to I mean, I was in a very extremely vulnerable space, like mentally, emotionally, spiritually, like I wouldn't even understand what spiritually meant at the time. Like I was broken. So I would push back on her based off like my beliefs, but like eventually I would conform. And she did exactly what you said. She tried to help me change my mindset into how to process things as opposed to continuing down this like speedway. Like I was a freight train and I always been a freight train and that was very, it worked very well for me and it wasn't going to work for me in this specific position anymore I could no longer be a free train um and it's it's like behavior is the hardest thing to change I can't keep saying that over and over again and I do believe that we're are none of us are broken and I agree with you like it's just we come to a point in our life where we practice these these practices and it defines who we are as human as human beings and they are part of us just like this freight train, this alpha aggressive personality that I am, I'm never going to not be that. I've learned to redirect some of that. I've learned like valuable lessons, like letting things go and not attaching myself to the outcome of situations and really looking for alignment instead of grinding. Um, And that has made me, much more like malleable towards the process. And instead of thinking of like, I have to do this for that, I have to go this way to get there. 
I've been looking at things like there's 75 ways I can get to this position and I'd like to go like the most graceful way possible. I don't want to like drive through the mountain. I would rather drive around it and take a scenic route and maybe like build some relationships with people along that side road. Like that's where I'm at now. So yeah, it's been, it's been definitely like a, a process, but acceptance and definitely being able to, God, there's so many lessons. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, there's infinite. Um, being able to receive has been a really interesting lesson in the process. Being able to receive um, a lot of things instead of having to go get them, leaning back on situations and letting other people handle their thing and being able to attract things as opposed to force has been a huge lesson. And um, do you think yeah. that, do you think that receiving, cause, and I only say this cause it's something I've noticed within myself um, is that like, it comes down to the worth around receiving. And it's almost as if, like I put up this wall to receiving because I felt that I had to prove my worth that I could receive whatever was coming my way. And I was always this person who, who did for other people, who gave, who showed love, who put my own needs aside for others, uh, what I perceived to be needs. And so breaking down that construct of, I have to behave a certain way in order to receive. And even if I do receive, I'm still going to question it. I'm still going to question why I was worthy of receiving that rather than just letting it, letting it be soaked up and felt. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was a caged heart. I had a wall of China, the gray wall of China around my heart. I pushed everyone away. I, grinded I would make excuses to work more and like not build relationships with people I would I would presence was something that was a part of my vocabulary if I was sitting next to somebody in my brain I was doing 150 other things and I couldn't I wasn't giving them the attention they deserved I was so busy I was so busy making myself busy so I couldn't let people in and I mean, that's probably the hardest lesson that I've learned throughout this process is, you know, going through it, like on taking the walls down and being okay with the ugly parts of me and like the beautiful parts of me and loving the imperfections about myself and not giving a fucking shit what people think of me anymore. And I really, I really didn't to a degree unless they were like high level and I was trying to get to the next step, then I cared what people think. But I am at the point where I just, unless you're in this arena and unless you're showing up and doing, showing up yourself and showing up for others in an authentic way, your opinion means jack shit to me. So like it's letting that whole thing go and, and really like allowing myself to be loved and allowing love to occur even though I'm not 100% I'm sure I'm going to receive it back, which is fucking scary as shit. But I would rather now in my life take a chance to put that out there than to never, ever know if I could receive it ever. Like I'd rather throw it out there and be authentic with who I, like who I am and like internally than live my life and think, what if I didn't show up here? Like what if I didn't ever say the thing that I – like really felt inside. Yeah. And it's been really scary because <laughs> like I've never done that before. Yeah. And now I'm like so emotionally available. <laughs> it's so scary. Well, that's and that's that's opening up the cage, right? That's that's stepping into things with an open heart and giving and being open to receiving even and but like you said not also attaching to outcome yeah. and that's 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 the work right there that's the goal you know 
(laughs) (laughs) No, it's actually, it's really great. It's such a great feeling Yeah. to know that you're just like heart centered on like loving people and loving yourself and and filling yourself with self-worth and like not having to question yourself and not having to question your intentions and, and realizing that if someone isn't receiving what you're providing, then that's not like the right space for you. And also they're not in this on the same level that you are and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And you can actually show them that it's capable to be on this level and not get hurt because you're just vibrating higher. You yeah. know, you're just vibrating love and you just, it's just who you are. Yeah. I was going to say, how do you show them that by, by simply embodying it and embodying that, that frequency and that vibration of, of the heart being so wide open to the possibilities of the universe? Yeah. Like I, I make the analogy all the time that I was like a Care Bear and it was like this beam of fucking light that was coming out of my chest and I was just so happy and it was it was such a good feeling every day to wake up and just be so content and happy with myself as a human being. But knowing that like I had to go through this shit storm to get here and, and I crawled my way through it and I crawled my way out of it. And then I did so much work. I mean, I did like intense work for like four years. Um, in and out. I mean, it wasn't like I was like in it all the time. I would take breaks and come back to it because it does get very overwhelming. And if you're changing your mindset from a scarcity mindset to an abundant mindset, that takes a lot of navigation and filling yourself up takes a lot of energy that I wasn't used to putting into myself. So it felt really strange and it felt very selfish at first um, to take those time time for myself and to make sure that I was filling my own cup before I could help fill other people's cups because I was, I'm very much like you. I, I wanted to help everybody and I wanted to be there for everybody, but I was running on like double empty. So I was pouring from an empty cup and I had to learn to fill my cup first so I could fill others. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, The word selfish. I think about that word all the time because as we grow up, it's like, oh, don't be selfish. Think of others. Don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. But because of the way society is programmed, we, well, I can't speak for everybody, but I know that myself and as you've said, and a lot of other people think that selfish means thinking of yourself first before other people. When it's like, like you said, if you're not filling up your own cup, how can you fully give to other people? And when you're and it, I always go back to the idea of like, everybody is a reflection of each other. And so when you're filling your own cup up, and you're doing it authentically, and the intention is to create self love and an abundance of that source of energy, then that's how you're going to treat the external. That's how you're going to embody that frequency and show other people that they can do it too. And it's almost like the language and like actually, you know, I put this in quotations, teaching people how to do it doesn't go as far as just being that energy. And it's like, it's such a full reflection. Yes, I completely agree with you. And we're all mirrors. Anything that I get mad at somebody else about is because it's my shit that I'm carrying around. It's if anyone gets mad at me, I know it has nothing to do with me. Like, and I think that it's really hard to start calling yourself out on your own bullshit because we're so used to pointing fingers at other people where really we need to start like looking at ourselves in the mirror it with positivity too, but also with like, ownership like we're the only people that are like preventing ourselves from moving to the next level and doing the things that we want to do and we're getting in our own way and we're blaming other people so like it's that has a lot to do with like this work as well and like you said before like 
I just think it it's just really about the ownership of your own growth. Yep. Responsibility, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And it took so being in therapy like for as long as I was, and I was somebody who was like not really a believer in in therapy. Like I just I never really went to it. And then this thing happened and I I had to go and I started seeing like things open up for me internally and I had really started looking at it as like, okay, so I get to go to this woman's office who doesn't know me, who can't judge me, who can't talk about me with anybody else. And I get to dump all of my shit on her. (laughs) Right. And then I get to leave. Like, cool. So I started taking that like approach, like as like an emotional, like bulldozer, like emotional, like dumpster where I could just go emotionally dump, cry if I had to not cry, feel great. And then leave. And that's, started like making a lot more sense for me and I started to be able to use it more of like a tool than as I thought in my brain I needed a crutch so it changed my mindset that like I was broken and I needed this thing to fix me but as opposed to like this is my tool to make me a better version of myself yeah and the trauma had really become one of the things I defined very clearly at the beginning was I was not going to use this as a label for myself, this is not going to be an excuse. This isn't going to be who I am. I'm not this trauma. I'm going to use this as something that is going to empower me to be a better version of myself. Like, fuck this shit, essentially. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to come out of this 5,000 times better than I went into this shit storm. Yeah. And as we moved in, and as I moved into that mindset, and I started doing better with therapy, and we started getting into childhood stuff, I started, she started talking to me more of a, like a peer than I was a patient. And when that started happening, she started working with me on using the time period to build out whatever it is I was going to be trying to do with my future. So it became almost like a career session for me as well as, I mean, I could go in and be like, you know, we're not working on my life. We're working on mommy. Yeah. You know, but it, it changed my mental process about therapy and how to approach it. And I was like, how is, not, how come everyone is not in therapy? Yeah. Like, how is this that we are adults with no accountability that have been getting away with our bullshit our entire lives? Like most of us don't tell anyone everything because we don't even admit it to ourselves, but like our partners, we're not a hundred percent transparent with our parents. Fuck no. And if they even know who we really are, and then we get to our like mid thirties or like sometimes late twenties and sometimes forties. And we're like, no one knows really shit about what we're we're going through or what we're really dealing with. Mm -hmm. It starts manifesting itself into a lot of other things and people in our lives pass away and we don't deal with that. And then more people pass away and then we have, dumped and then we have a divorce and then there's like childcare like custody battles and like we're just internalizing all of this pain and stress and our bodies start breaking down and we start getting sick or we start having like mystery illnesses and like our bodies the stress that is put into our system manifests shit and really if we just started talking openly about all of these things that are weighing on us and like ripping us like apart from the inside out, we could get rid of a lot of these issues with ourselves and be better versions of ourselves for our partners, for ourselves, for our children. And like, it could really change how we show up. Yeah. I I love that you just said that because I really wanted to touch on vulnerability and just the idea of being vulnerable. And you have gone on podcasts and laid everything out, you know, and you've, you've spoken those things into the world. And you said that people started hitting you up and yeah. saying like, thank you for, for saying that, you know? And so how has vulnerability kind of, uh, changed your life? So 
oh my god it's I'm a totally different person I'm the same person but I'm a I have a totally different mindset I well with the trauma like it knocks you knocks your the shit out of you right and then you I was laid flat out like mentally physically spiritually like I was at ground zero um and I had an opportunity because of that to decide what like the type of person I wanted to become was really clearly with intention, like how I wanted to show up. And so I wanted to show up authentically. I wanted to show up like with integrity. I wanted to show up like I have like a list of 15 things that like every day I like read again and again and make sure that I'm doing the things to align with this. But vulnerability came up because I realized that this trauma happened to me for a very specific reason and it has nothing to do with me. Um, it's just a conduit for me to help other people. And it took four years of therapy an ayahuasca ceremony, a trans transformational weekend, and then a pandemic for me to figure that out. <laughs> but I got here. The universe is like, listen to me. <laughs> it's like, you're not listening. Fine, we'll light another thing on fire. Like, sorry, and a suicide too. Like, I'm in an overdose. So it, it's it been whispering this in my ear. It's been screaming at me. And now I have to listen and I have to do it. And since I've surrendered to this and I received this, I know with every cell in my body, this is the right thing to do. And when I opened up, that first part podcast was the hardest thing I've ever done. And all of this, even this conversation is extremely difficult and I'm scared of it. And I don't like talking about this shit. And I don't want to talk to anybody about my fears or the things that scare me or the worst things that have ever happened to me in my life or like my rock bottoms. But like people need to hear about them because they are going through the same shit. And if you don't, these types of conversations need to become part of our friendships and our like conversations with other people. This has got to be a language that is spoken between other people. Because bottling the shit up, it's not going to work for you. Trust me. Like if you've been bottling shit up, something's going to happen really bad and it's not going to be fun for you. And when I did that podcast, it it was like the floodgates had opened and it, we did two parts to it because I didn't know how I was going to talk about this. Mind you, I, I had, when this happened, it was like four years prior to the podcast, I talked to my therapist. I talked to very close friends of mine. Nobody else knew about this thing, right? I would only speak to people one-on-one, never in a group never in a group setting more than like one or two people. Right. And even my close friends who individually knew I wouldn't talk about it with them as a group. You know, it was just so uncomfortable for me to, to be, that's it. Just be, Yeah, it was probably for me to be that way. Then when I went to Peru, I had the first time talk to eight people I had never met before in a group setting and they asked me what happened. And I, it was, the, <laughs> can't believe it. So Peru was a crazy, very crazy, amazing, life-changing experience. And I went there, it was, I think, 17 days with people, 12 people I'd never met before. I knew one person and I brought another person with me. And the rest of the people were strangers. And I pers- I purposely didn't do any research on the people that were going on the group because I didn't want to have any preconceived notions of anybody. I just wanted to be a, like a genuine interaction with these people. And so I never, I didn't break down and tell anybody what actually happened to me. What I would tell like as a group, I would tell one, I told two people individually and that was it. And I did my ayahuasca ceremony and that kind of like, we can talk about that in detail, but that on um, that shook the shit out of me in another on another level that I needed. But the the day I was supposed to leave on a date, I had a flight, and that day 
two hours before I was supposed to get on a bus or get on the car to go to the airport. I was down, we were in Samadhi, down at the bottom of the hill. And the, and I had one of the, um, one of the people who, the facilitators who I hadn't really connected with, but the whole time we were like, we got to sit down. And she was like, you're leaving. So we have to do this right now. You know, I was like, okay. So she's like, I want to hear about what happened. Just like called me out on it. And I was like, I was very not prepared mentally or emotionally to answer the question. Cause I was like, I had always been the person that was providing the information. No one actually asked me. And I was like, Ooh, like, and she was extremely spiritual. And like, this is the type of person I look at. And she is like angelic, you know, I mean, that like you met people like that where you're like, wow, you're from another dimension. <laughs> and I see that and it scares me, but it's all like love. So let's play yeah. essentially. And I had felt like I had the de- like the devil ripped out of my soul a couple of days prior. Yeah. So she calls me out on this, but we're sitting in a group setting and there were, you know, eight other people there and they all just kind of like turned their heads slowly when she said that. And I was like, I just like looked around. I was like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And I like immediately knew. And I was like, okay, fuck it. I'm doing it. So I told the story. And Gerard was one of the people that was sitting there and Brian Donovan, who, you know, from Alter Call. Um, and we sat, all of us sat and talked about everyone's shit. Like every, it was like, soon as I went, you know, we talked about that. And then it was like, G had like a story and then Brian had a story. And then like another person had a story and another person, it was just like, <laughs> it was like a trauma dump. And I was like, I'm not leaving right now. And I went up and I was like, I got to like go pack, I think. Or I was so like shifted. I, I just had like this, ex- this emotional experience with strangers and in a group setting. And I was like, this is what I should be doing. Like, this is what I should be doing. Like, this is my path. This isn't about me. This is about that group of people that just talked about all the shit that they had happened to them. This isn't anything to do with my stuff. And I went up and I was like, I'm not leaving. I'm going to stay an extra couple of days and I'm not done with this yet. Like I, I just knew I wasn't done. And everyone was like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm not getting on the plane and I'll feel like I'll figure that all out later. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't. I stayed in Peru for a couple of days and had to finish out what I started. That's amazing. So let's get into this Peru journey then. So just to backtrack, so you went through your whole life growing up, striving for this external validation that got you to where you wanted to be in your career. And was that when you were creative director for UFC? Yes. And then the the trauma happened that you're referring to, which was kind of the catalyst for you going to therapy, correct? And yep. then and then from there, the therapist kind of like broke open the 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 vase of trauma, whatever it was, the floodgates, yeah. And then so after doing work, you ended up finding this kind of like ayahuasca journey and going with uh, Gerard Adams and Brian Donovan. Yeah, it was Brent, it was Brandon Collinsworth's, um, retreat. It's called Warrior Retreats. Okay. Brandon and I have been friends for like eight years prior to this point. We, he owned a gym in Las Vegas. I went to his gym. We clicked. Um, and you know, I was working for UFC and so there was a lot of overlap and we were very much on the same like level mentally on things. So, he had been trying to get me to go to Peru right when the trauma happened. Cause that was, I think his first year or second year, second year where he was actually bringing people. And I was like, no bro, I'm not in a mental state where I can go sit in the jungles with my crazy. right now. <laughs> like I gotta, I got some stuff to do here. And he just, you know, he was very much there for me throughout this process, like really important person in my life during this stuff. 
Um, and he, you know, we, we always kept in contact, but then that year I was like, uh, it's time. And he was like, all right. And I'm like, it's just, let's do the things. And he was like, all right. <laughs> and I didn't know about the ayahuasca part really. Like this was like more about physical and mental journey for me than a spiritual one. Cause I didn't have spirituality in my headspace then. And they were talking about ayahuasca and I didn't even like really research it. I didn't, it was just kind of like, Oh, we're going to go to the jungles for seven days and we're going to, you know, live in this hut with no, you know, with limited resources. And then we're going to go like sacred Valley and, you know, all this stuff. And I literally was like, whatever Brandon has planned is fine. Like I got, we'll, we'll make it work. All I had to know, all I had to do was make sure I could like, physically handle his physical challenges <laughs> he is the nike global trainer so that is slightly difficult especially with the elevation change so i was mentally like i just gotta wear an elevation mask and work out like crazy until i go and then i should be good i was very wrong <laughs> i was so wrong <laughs> so i get to peru and you know the group everyone's connected through Brandon, but like very few people actually know each other, but there are very similar circles going on. And I keep hearing in our conversations with people, like as we introduce ourselves to others, um, that we are collectively, individually, all alpha people that have excelled in our careers and we've gotten to this specific space the things that have gotten us to this space are no longer serving us to get to the next level. And that was a consistent message from everybody, not in those words per se, but basically in those words. So no one really knew what they were doing exactly, but they knew that they were there to shift something, let things go or figure out what, where they were supposed to be going. And ayahuasca was part of the experience. We went to the Amazon jungle. Um, it was unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable experience. Um, and, you know, at that time, not to sound like a complete asshole, but like, I don't camp. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like the Marriott's camping. <laughs> I was a little bit bougie at the time. Um, you're like, where's the RV? <laughs> no, I was like, where's the Ritz Carlton? Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> like, not to sound like a, like an asshole, but that's where that's where I was. No, that's just where your headspace was. Clearly, you felt the call from from Lady Ayahuasca, though. Yeah, <laughs> called. She served. she was pulling you towards her. She was like, "Come to me. I will. I will help you." Yeah. And they, I didn't, so I didn't really have a lot of research in this and I was just like, it's going to be fine. And the person that I had convinced to come as well, I didn't really tell her much about it either. Cause I was like, it'll be fine. It's just DMT. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I have no idea how long it's going to last. I don't, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to know either cause I didn't, you know, it's about your subconscious and your intention and if I was going into this, my subconscious filled with shit, then I was going to have a bad experience, right? So I had to make sure that I wasn't doing that. And letting go of my expectations of what was going to happen was part of me not doing the research and to find out what it was that I was going to be doing. They provided us with ample information. We talked about it on calls before. Um and, you know, James was one of the facilitators and he was like, what is your intention? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> like it just, it didn't make, it didn't click for me what he was talking about. And as we went through this trip before the journey, it was very clear what he was talking about. You know, what ayahuasca is something that I, it's going to be hard for me to verbalize this, yeah. but is solely based on what, is happening in your subconscious mind and it is based on your intention. 
So when you go into an experience like this, you need to really think about what your intention is with it and what your intention is with yourself. And it's, that is going to determine how your experience goes. Things that you're holding on to might be present. Things that you need to let go of might be present. Um, and I'm not talking about things that you're, you might not even be aware of the things that you're holding on to. They become present. And dark things come up and bright light comes in. So you have to be really like, I hate to say this word again, but intentional about why you're there. And it's very, it's a very much, excuse me, it's a very thought reflection on yourself before you go and do and trip essentially and go into this journey because it's eight hours plus. And a lot of things can happen in that time period within your own mind. (laughs) Yeah, that's a long time. (laughs) And people around you are not on the same journey that you are. And you have to understand that you have your own space and the people around you have their own space. And, you know, people like us who are constantly giving and constantly giving and constantly giving. I had someone who was next to me that had a very bad experience and his experience started poorly within minutes of us drinking. And so if people don't know what ayahuasca is, it's DMT and it's created from a root and a leaf in um, the jungles of Peru. They boil it down. There's an entire ceremony that begins. It begins with you drink a cup of it and you start to trip. And you're usually in a group setting and they tell you specifically to like, if someone's having a bad experience, like send them love and light, but do not let them come into your space. Like do not get up and try to help them. Do not, this is about your journey. You're not being selfish. You're not, not giving to somebody else, but you have to take care of yourself first. Those are the things I'm really bad at. <laughs> what I said. So I went into this very clearly with three intentions. My intentions were to fill myself with love and light, to let go of any trauma that I was holding on to, and to show me like the path to my what I was supposed to be doing. Not what I thought I was supposed to be doing, what I was really supposed to be doing. Yeah. And I was served all of those things. <laughs> I was going to say that second one sounds like uh, not for you personally, just anyone with that intention is like a... Fuck me up, Captain. (laughs) I was asking for it, but I was like, I'm here for this. Yeah. I I knew it was time. I had done all the work. I did four years of work. You know, I I knew that I was good already. I knew I was good, but I also knew I was still holding on to something that I needed to shed. Yeah. It wasn't going to be from going to therapy anymore. There was something else like really deep and I couldn't get to it but I felt it was there and I needed to let it go. And I did. I mean, I did, but (laughs) it took, it took like, I don't know, like I just had another download about this like a week ago. And like all the things that happen in your experience, like you are conscious of, but you might not understand what they actually mean until much later. And it's, you're very cognizant of what's happening around you. Like I could see everybody and and I could touch, I could reach out and touch them, but you're very aware. It's not like you're like floating through like this other dimension. There are people that experience this like dimensional, you know, trips, but you do hallucinate Yeah. and are separate levels of hallucination. And I can go into a lot of detail with that because I had a significant amount of hallucination with my experience um, that I didn't even remember until the next morning. Yeah. And I was, you know, first, first intention was fill yourself with love and light. So 
I go into this, I drink my cup of thing, cup of sludge, <laughs> so gross. And <laughs> I am like, I totally got this. Like, <laughs> totally go. Like, totally got this experience. This, if this is it, I'm good. We're good. We're good. Right? And like the ceiling, like, there's the shamans are like singing. And they have this like pattern of, of singing. So there's like a rhythmic situation that happens and it kind of like ramps you up a little bit. And then they like stop singing and you're like, please don't stop. Please don't stop. Because you get yourself into this like calming state through, through the music, which haunts you later. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and I like the ceiling was just had opened up for me. Now, mind you, we're in like a tent, not a tent, like, but like a hut, a very large hut. And we're right on the Amazon river. So it's water, it's nature, every cricket you can hear, every owl, every snake, everything is crawling around. You can hear it and the moon is out. So you kind of see, but it's dark and there's candles in the room and thank God there was no lights. Um, and so the, the ceiling had just kind of opened up for me and it was like this like kind of waving feeling of like all these beautiful positive words that came into me. Like it was like the ceiling was like talking to me and telling me like, you're fucking awesome. It was just like a giant positive compliment like download into me. Like I was like, you like it was everything positive every compliment I never was able to receive it was coming into me and it was like filling me with love and light right and I was like in this space for like two hours where I was like this is the best it was just like beautiful waves like almost like the kind of like this like like ribboning wave of positivity just like dumping in me yeah like the like filling you with that worth almost that you'd been searching for for so long and it's it's so interesting to think that that was probably coming through as like energy and just like vibrations and frequencies and then your mind was like tacking language onto it in order to comprehend like what was actually like filling you up and downloading in your cells almost (laughs) and i was just rocking back and forth because like it's getting little waves of nausea which is completely normal with aya and just like this beautiful like kind of like rhythm that i was receiving it was just so filling but I had mentioned before, like I was next to somebody who was not okay. And that person was not okay within like five minutes of drinking. And I mean, not okay. Yeah. Um, and I just kept like grounding down and I just kept saying to myself, like, send him love and light. This is about you. You need to like fill his cup from here. Like you cannot let this in. This is about like, this is your time to work on yourself. And this is, that was a very hard lesson for me my entire life. That was probably lesson number one that I wasn't able to do ever because of who I am. So this has been like, that was a huge thing for me to be like, no, this is about you. This is about you. And at one point in time, I had this thought pop into my brain. And the thought was, who the fuck do you think you are? not helping this person. And right when that happened, like as soon as the thought went in, my entire journey changed. Whoa. And it was like the darkest, dark, deepest hole. And I slipped right through it. Whoa. I just got chills. And I just, it was just like the love had just went like, it just stopped. It was like the ceiling had closed right the fuck up. And like, I was like in the black and I looked over to this person who was not okay. And I saw him transform into a wolf. I saw his body because he was on all fours a lot puking. And I am being very like limited in my description. Cause I don't think it's fair for me to talk about his experience, but yeah, for sure. He was struggling 
and switching positions a lot. Let's just say that. So I saw his body transform into a wolf. And when I say I saw his body transform into a wolf, it was like avatar shit. Like I saw fur crawl, like crawl out of his like hands and his arms like morphed into legs. And this wolf, now I'm in a circular room. This wolf runs around this circle in this room and is coming to attack me. And I just was like, this isn't real. This is just your fear. Like, this isn't real. I'm not afraid of you. Like, it was just like this. It was like, holy shit. But I'm like, this is your ego. This is your ego. This is your ego. This is not real. This is not real. This is, I was very like aware of the fact that this was my own shit coming after me. Yeah. And the wolf charges at me like it's going to. And I'm just like, you're not real. And the wolf came and sat down next to me on the yoga mat. And he just like, it was kind of like, hey, who are your friends? It was like, you're not afraid of me anymore. So I'm like, I'm hungry. Like, can I hang out here? Wow. Weird. Like place where this wolf and I were fine with each other. And then I like come back in and this person is back to a normal person now. And I'm like looking over at my friend on the other side and she's having a conversation with mother nature, literally talking to the trees, <laughs> like checking everybody out. And I look up and I see like one of the shamans and the shamans like pop up out of the floor. There's only two shamans in the in the room but i saw like eight of them and they had bird heads and like black swan the movie like the black bird head with like the orange red eyes that's what the shamans look like they had like the traditional like garb on like the leafy bottom under briefs or whatever no shirt and they had bird heads and when they popped over the ground and I would notice them, they would all at the same time turn around and stare at me. Like they all were like, she knows. And they would look at me. And I was like, okay, what the fuck is happening now? Like, and I'm deep in this. Like, and I'm like, this is not okay. Like, this is like not, 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 not okay. So I'm trying to like focus. And now like there comes a point where like once, once somebody vomits in a, in a journey, usually it starts like a, a domino effect. So we had a domino effect going on and I'm like, this isn't, this isn't happening. Like I got this, I got this, I got this. And I was just like, fuck, I don't got this. I don't got this. And the person to my right again, turned into another animal. And this animal was the Jaguar. And the jaguar did the same thing in the room as the wolf did, except the jaguar did a different pattern of running. The jaguar ran like across the room instead of in circles, but then turned around and spud and like went to like attack me again. And I was like, this isn't real. You're not real. You're not real. You're not real. And the same thing, the jaguar like sat down next to me. It was just kind of like, Hey. And I, after that had, one more round of the same thing, but it was a different animal. And then the shamans had come over and did this kind of like thing to me and to the girl to my left who was talking to Mother Nature. They did this like ceremony on us, just the two of us. But they had full bird heads. And I was scared out of my mind. I was like, great like our conduit in here has a bird head and like they're the devil essentially staring at me like staring at me and they knew they knew something and they could see like the dark and they were blessing me but they now mind you like they weren't wearing these clothes i was completely hallucinating these this garb they were wearing like normal like t-shirts and shorts oh really oh i i totally thought they were actually wearing like uh <laughs> no i totally that was all in my brain and they didn't have bird heads on that was my brain yeah <laughs> so i'm like holy shit like and i start panicking really bad 
And I'm like, I, I can't do this. Like, and then I'm like, I can't do this. Like it started getting really, like really dark. And I kept feel like I was sliding down through the floor. Like I kept feeling like I was like sliding down to like a, like a sub level. Yeah. And I was like trying to like grasp on, but I was like trying to grasp onto like myself, like my own ribs and my own hip bones. And I felt like really bendy. Like I felt my arms and my legs felt really like long and very like pliable. Like I was in full Lotus. I haven't done full Lotus in like five years. Right. I was in full Lotus with my head on the ground, <laughs> like hunched over. Like I have to get out of this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't, I, I'm not, I can't do it. And one of the facilitators came over to help the person that was in his shit on the right. And he had a bird head. Oh, what a cliffhanger to leave you on. This is the end of the first part of this conversation. It was long, so we had to cut it in two. Please continue on to the next episode where you can finish it.